What's up, guys? Welcome to the first episode of Black Flag Productions. We're your hosts, Anthony and Aaron. And today we're going to be talking about Alec Baldwin and all the super sus things involved with the shooting of Helena Hutchins. So for those of you who don't know, because why would you? Alec Baldwin is a pretty washed up actor. He made some decent movies in the 80s and 90s. He is best known for his impersonation for several seasons running on Saturday Night Live of former president Donald J. Trump. Play the clip. Good evening, America. I am going to be so good tonight. I am going to be so calm and so presidential that all of you watching are going to cream your jeans. Uh, now, he did exit that role bitterly last year on SNL saying that he wants to, you know, carve out a new legacy for himself. He doesn't just want to be known as the impersonation guy. So he certainly has made a name for himself recently in, in the last few news cycles. So, uh, Anthony, you've done a lot of research on this and uh, much more than I have. So why don't you take it away from here? Yeah, so we'll start off with like an overview of the whole situation. So Alec Baldwin, he was handed the gun by David David Hall, right? The, the... Assistant director, David Hall. Yes. Yeah. Assistant director, David Hall, who was handed the gun by the armorer. So the armorer, Hannah Reed, handed the gun to David Hall, the assistant director, which that's a no-go because any movie set, the armorer is supposed to be handing the gun directly to the actor. Right. That's kind of the job. Right. So hands it to David Hall. David Hall hands it to Alec Baldwin. And at this time, all of the other crew members had left the set. The only people on the set are Helena Hutchins, Alec Baldwin, David Hall, the armor, and the other cinematographer, or the uh, director, Joel uh, Souza, Souza. And it's just them. Okay. And they were blaming it on working conditions. They were protesting working conditions. But I was reading a couple articles recently that were published, like, literally hours ago. And one of one of the managers of directors there completely denied that whole claim saying that they were treated fairly and the people who walked off were supposedly in protest of their working conditions and hours but when this happened the crew members had just come off a 56 hour long weekend well rested should have been ready to go and it was right after lunch that this happened Okay, so not enough time or anything had really transpired in order to, you know, grind these people's gears to the point to where they just, you know, did a whole massive walk off like Southwest Airlines or something like that. Right. Okay. But what, what you're saying is, because you're familiar with the story, the four, the four main key players in this movie, and, and, you know, Rust is more of a low budget movie, probably one of those direct to DVD type deals, but... Be that as it may, it was the cinematographer, the assistant director, uh, both who handled the firearm, and then it was the the lead actor, Alec Baldwin, who you know this story is about, and right. then the fourth 
there you said there was a fourth person who was the fourth person that was that stayed behind during the the break the director joel souza okay that's right so it sounds like these four may have have been behind conspiring or i mean if not conspiring since people don't like that word basically they eliminated any witnesses of what was going on and this was during a crucial point in time before they shot a scene involving the firearm in question that ended up taking the life of uh the cinematographer right and, and joel souza the the director of the film like the head honcho it also injured him because i believe correct me if i'm wrong here but the it was a 45 caliber which is a very large caliber you know you and i both know that and but this was a revolver and so the bullet actually went through helena and then passed through her body into the director joel who was injured he was taken to the hospital but he was actually released shortly after because his injuries weren't as severe and helena was lifted to a hospital in albuquerque i believe and she died there recently like very soon after getting there so during lunchtime the shooting was after lunch but during lunchtime the set was left unattended because everything was at lunch everybody was okay. at lunch um the armorer did bring the weapons back into the vault or her like in her vehicle there's a safe in her vehicle so the only thing left unattended was the ammunition box. So there's a theory going out recently that there is intentional sabotage to the ammunition box, because why would, why would a movie set who only orders blank ammunition and an armorer who deals with ammunition for a job obviously knows the difference between a blank round and a regular round it's extremely obvious to tell or should or should and right. there there was allegations that she was inexperienced and right. she professed that she wasn't confident well that's convenient to be in, in charge of other people's lives and then play the novice card as far as <laughs> whoops you're First literally... jitters. <laughs> <laughs> sorry yeah. about that you could show a blank round to somebody who's never seen ammunition before and you can show a live round and they could tell the difference but we're talking about somebody who is literally an expert in the field like so much so that they're on the movie set right of a movie with big time actors so even though it was me. like she hasn't done very many movies right so she's a rookie but she's not a rookie in the field she, well, sense. she shouldn't be. I mean, there right. has to like, be some you, sort you of credentials. You don't just become an armor and then be on the set of an Alec Baldwin movie. Unless they were looking for a patsy or a scapegoat in order to get shuffle around these live rounds in place of these dummy rounds on the set. And Hannah Gutierrez being none the wiser. I mean, basically, they're... They're looking for one of those useful idiots that they can make into some sort of a scapegoat to where Hannah now has plausible deniability because truthfully, she wasn't involved. She has no idea what was going on. And right. so that might also be an angle that they would have taken. And, you know, naturally, the next question that would come to anyone's mind when hearing this story 
And I do also have a sneaky suspicion that this is not going to survive more than maybe another news cycle, another 24, yep. 48 hours like as we get to the weekend. Right. Uh, the, the obvious question from anyone hearing this would be, well, why? What's the motive, right? I mean, if, if this is something that was done conspiratory, uh, conspiratorial, what was the end game here? And that's, right. I, if you could share my screen, uh, this is Yahoo Entertainment from MSN.com. And this is something very recent. So this is just today. Uh, you're looking at my screen here. We have the Rust movie set um, sign here. So this was, it says producers budgeted $650,000 to pay themselves. And there were six in total, including Baldwin. So this is, I know that seems like a lot of money and certainly it is. I mean, I would take half that in cash, but the point is <laughs> in the, in the realm, the, the scope of Hollywood budgets, that is nothing. I mean, that wouldn't right. even make the, the accounting sheets for most of these production studios. I would say, well, hey, if there's a strong enough motive going on here, um, $650,000 is really just the, the price you pay for a contract kill. Maybe this whole thing was set up in order for this to happen, or they at least saw it as a conduit to accomplish these goals. So kind of something right. to, to just think on, chew on that a little bit. Right. But, and what, what better opportunity than hey, let's get an armorer who really doesn't know the difference between live and blank ammunition or somebody who maybe is unintelligent in the knowledge of firearms. And then everybody leaves set. Everybody goes to lunch. The set, nobody's there. The live ammo has been there s since lunch, unattended. Right. Put live rounds in there. She loads him up, not knowing the difference, gives it to David Hall. David Hall gives it to Alec Baldwin, and now you have live rounds. So the armorer, Hannah Reed, gave it to David Hall, who's the assistant director. But that's, that's against right. protocol because right. it's supposed to be the armorer handing it off. The arm, But it also says in the article, as I've read, that Hannah Reed inspected the ammunition by opening up the revolver cylinder and spinning it around to show every cylinder to David Hall. David Hall closes the cylinder, gives a dialogue Baldwin and says cold gun, which on a movie set means it's safe. At that point in time, something, something would have had to have happened. Now this isn't conspiracy whatsoever because to go nothing, you know, the, the chambers aren't, aren't uh, magical to where they can add a live round in place <laughs> of a dummy. <laughs> This would have had to be done beforehand, right? Right. Either if she visually inspected each round, either every round had to be live or every round had to be blank, or she is really that dumb that couldn't tell and couldn't tell a difference. But I really, I highly doubt that. That just seems super far-fetched to me. Right. And when, when you see this many coincidences line up and we're about to get to the big so-called coincidence right now. Um, I'm going to share my screen with you again. A since deleted screenshot. Oh, yes, her tweet. If anybody keeps up with the Clintons, there is a long list of people who have just coincidentally disappeared after um, either exposing them in some way or saying something negative about them or running against them. suicidal yeah either suicides plane crashes you name it massive speculation around the clintons 
And October 18th of 2021, um, Helena Hutchins says, I have information that will lead to Hillary Clinton's arrest. From her verified account, by the way, you know, she's she's a blue check mark. This was 72 hours before the fatal onset shooting. And not only, yeah, just a few days and because it happened on October 21st. But not only that, I mean, just for the sake of our audience listening, it, it really has to be known. There have only been four of these fatal shootings on a movie set in American cinema history. So this isn't something that you can basically just brush off and say, well, that's the risk. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, hundreds of movies are produced and filmed and released every year in theaters, on DVD, on streaming services. This has happened four times since the cinema was born in the 1920s. So, yeah, I mean, to talk about the fact that we've just eliminated any sort of coincidence happening this is crazy. If you would talk a little bit about um, a couple of the other movies that you unearthed while doing your research as far as where these these shootings happened. Right. So the other people who have died in cinematographer history, um, most notably is Bruce Lee's son, Brandon Lee. Bruce Lee was in a movie about a martial artist who accidentally kills somebody and has to deal with the consequences. So now we have something we have a situation, somebody dying from a prop gun, which is extremely rare. And out of all the people that have died from prop guns, a lot of them have extremely similar coincidences. Like the plot of the movie being about accidentally killing somebody and then they die in that movie. We have Brandon Lee dies on the set of a movie that's about a martial artist who kills somebody by accident has to live with the repercussions. And now we have Alec Baldwin who kills somebody on a movie set about somebody who accidentally kills somebody has to live with the repercussions. So it's like you have all these things that a coincidence or a situation that's extremely rare by itself. And then somehow they all have super weird connections. This is something that was really done as a cover up. And when I say a cover up, um, this is really the third and final part of our our episodes meet because this is the absolutely unbelievable part. It talks about the law firm, the representative lawyers and who they were on the defense team for. You got to talk about that to wrap this thing up because it's it's pretty phenomenal. We'll just start with Helena Hutchins background. She grew up on a Soviet military base. Um, she was an investigative reporter prior to being a cinematographer. Then she tweets, she tweets, I have information that'll put Hillary Clinton behind bars. Um, her husband is a lawyer in a law firm called, um, Latham and Watkins. Right. And Latham and Watkins represents the Clintons and the Clintons are under fire right now because Uh they they're always under fire. (laughs) They're they're under fire now because of all the fake allegations against Donald Trump about the Russia collusion. I mean, just connect the dots there. Helena Hutchins says I have information that will put Hillary Clinton behind bars, which is basically like a subtle threat saying, Hey, I'm going to put this out here. 
72 hours later, she dies on a set, which then prevents her from getting that information out. And her husband works for a law firm that is representative of the Clintons. It's just, it's just a classic story with the Clintons. It really is. And, and it's, and it's on their defense team. So what that means is that, and it's, it's really simple to just go from A to B, right? Um, a husband right. and wife, they share things with each other. So he comes home from the office, you know, he puts his briefcase on the kitchen table or whatever. And he's like, these freaking Clintons, man. So, <laughs> 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 and, it, and it's interesting because her husband is one of the very few people in the world, literally, that would have insight into the Clintons' personal lives and who some of their higher-ranking enemies are because that's exactly what was going on. So, And the details of the whole... He would know more about the details of the whole Clinton situation than anybody if that's he right. worked in that law firm. Yeah. This law firm, Michael Sussman, and some of the other attorneys that were um, in the, the, the team of uh, lawyers defending Hillary and the Clintons at large, they were all interconnected because down here in uh, the notes here, and you know, for anyone interested, we can share all of our sources. We have all of that. So they actually were associated with attorney general under the Trump administration, Bill Barr, who, you know, he was a more of a flash in the pan, but he definitely got a lot of coverage. You could have even called him a celebrity for maybe a year period because he was always on TV. He was always under testimony. And, uh, you know, sharing his opinions with what was going on at that point in time. But it's like this whole circle of elite power structure just always becomes intertwined. And it's it's always these same people, man. It's the usual suspects. And that's what doesn't sit well with me. Hey, actually, uh, speaking about the, the um, Clinton death cult, if you share my screen, this is literally a, a website. One of many, you know, if, if our listeners want to check this out, just a, a quick tip is, you know, don't use Google. Um, Google has been co-opted for a very, very long time. But if you look at the track record and, and here's what I love, it's on the screen right now. Here's what I love about this website. It's not making any jumps of logic. It's not drawing its own conclusions. All it's doing is presenting the forensic facts that can really be proven. Right. So check this out. This is, um, you know, uh, Jeffrey Epstein, and 48 other people those so those 49 people helena now makes number 50. so we're on we're now on the better side we're working our way up to 100 i think they can do it uh let me scroll through this i don't want to tarnish this guy's legacy look this dude was just a billionaire sure nobody knows how he made all of his money but he had a private jet and this guy was basically like the Caribbean Santa Claus. All he wanted to do was take some people, some celebrities, some politicians, and he wanted to just fly them to his island to play sand volleyball. Everybody's got it all wrong, man. <laughs> this guy was just a son and fun lover. Mm. So you got you got Jeffrey Epstein here, the mysterious billionaire, who everybody's been on the Lolita Express. But check these out. How many of these names can you even recognize? Because I, I preview this list and I certainly can't. Jerry Parks, James Bunch, James Wilson, Kathy Ferguson. Let's just pick one at random. Uh, I don't know. Let's do 20. Barbara Wise. These are, these are the people that disappeared in connection with Clinton, right? 
in direct connection, something that right. can actually, something that's demonstrable that you can really sink your teeth into. This isn't like a brother's nephew's cousin's babysitter. Right. Uh, and I'm, I don't know who Barbara Wise is. I just stopped on uh, 20 here, but let me highlight my screen to make it a little bit easier. So Barbara Wise was the commerce department staffer who worked closely with Ron Brown and John Wayne. Cause of death, unknown. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that coroner took the night off. Died November 29th, 1996. Her bruised naked body was found locked in her office at the Department of Commerce. So I'm sure for the sake of brevity, what ends up happening is this website, um, thecount.com. It doesn't go into a lot of detail as far as what the facts were surrounding the case. But these are all people who had direct connection to the Clintons. And a lot of these, if you take the time and you go through it, it's car crashes, it's heart attacks, it's aggressive cancer that developed out of nowhere, it's suicides. You know, people become awfully suicidal when they end up on, on the wrong side of the Clinton Foundation. Right. Well, that's that's actually all that I had. It's, it's pretty phenomenal. I mean, you just take a, an honest look at these things. You don't even have to use a microscope. But if you just stop and you pause and you take a second to look at what's going on, Four movie sets in history someone has died on. This is one of them. And we're not, here's the thing, man. We're not even talking like a hop, skip, and a jump. And yeah, her husband used to work with so-and-so who knew the Clintons. He works on the defense team at the law firm handling Hillary Clinton's lawsuit. Wow. And what, what better conversation topic when you get home from a long days of work? Hey, Helena. Guess what I found out about? <laughs> dude we're only human when, when you're representing two of the most famous people most powerful people that earth has ever known the clintons and their billion dollar the clinton foundation by the way is right up there with the bill and melinda gates foundation is one it is one of the most powerful groups in existence right. so yeah man i mean if you're representing the clintons and you're a high profile attorney working at this law firm you're going to chit chat about it with your wife Especially when, when you're doing, you know, 100 billable hours a week and research and defense and all of that, your wife's going to want to know right. what's going on. Why haven't you been home? It's natural. They're going to talk right. about it. Who's the chef that Hillary Clinton killed? Um, Anthony Bourdain. Oh, yeah. There's, yeah man. there's a lot of weird stuff with the Anthony Bourdain situation, too. He basically called her a spawn of Satan. He said that, you know, there's there, that she's she's the filth of the earth. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, healthy world traveling Anthony Bourdain ends up dream job. Yeah. Dream job. Writing books, getting publication deals. The guy's a millionaire for eating fine cuisine. Sounds like a pretty good life. He must have just gotten really depressed. Right. Yeah. So basically, we have somebody who said on a very large platform i have information that would put hillary clinton behind bars who's notorious for making people disappear allegedly so we have an armorer who's either extremely dumb inexperienced or it we've basically broken it down to dumb inexperienced or it was an intentional sabotage we've basically broken it down to that so this kind of thing doesn't happen on accident. There's so many safety precautions put in place. All of the actors on set, all of the people who handle firearms on a movie set receive safety training prior to them being able to handle a firearm before they even touch one. The performers, the actors you're talking about, right? Right. The actors, anybody in the line who touches that firearm, they receive training. 
And matter of fact, Hannah Reed requested additional days of safety training. So they were given additional days of safety training. Wow. So all of the people should know the difference between a blank round and a live round. And we have at least two people. I've read articles that say four. At least two people touch the firearm after the rounds are put in it and say that it was safe. So we either have a whole lineup of dumb people or it was intentional. Is basically what we've broken it down to. And we have a laundry list of super suspicious connections to the Clintons via Matthew Hutchins being a lawyer at the Latham and Watkins firm. But the, the fact is that Alec Baldwin still does pull some weight. You know, he's not a D-list actor by any means. So he is on a movie set. Um, he has name recognition. He's been around the block for a very long time. And all of these things lining up, all of these moving pieces, they're all moving in the same direction. And that direction right. very, very clearly points to this A to B, not A to Z with, you know, the spider web of, of linking <laughs> chains in between of the Clintons, because it's, um, I know we mentioned this name earlier when things first got kicked off in the episode, but so Michael Sussman and um, Matt Hutchins, they work on the same defense team at this law firm. And so you can't talk your way around that, which is why I think I am of the opinion and we'll know in the next week that this story is just going to hit a brick wall, never to be heard of again. Yeah, we, we want to just create this podcast and platform because it seems like every time me and Aaron come in contact with each other, we're always talking about things and pointing out things that nobody even bats an eye at that are right. seen obvious, but not obvious to the average person, I believe. Right. And so much so that we feel it's podcast worthy, as I would say. For sure, man. Well, I'm excited about it. If I could, uh, I wanted to close with a couple verses because it's it's so appropriate for what we've been talking about in today's show. Right. And uh, it's they're both from, actually one's from Timothy, one's from 2 Timothy, but I'll read them in order here. So 2 Timothy 3.13, because a lot of people might be thinking, as you and I have both had thoughts about in the past, why is this happening? You know, why can't people right. just, why can't people just make millions of dollars to, to act in movies and then go home to their wife and kids and just leave a lead a fulfilling life. Well, here's the reason why, because we always have the answers just like everything else in the Bible. Um, Matthew, or I'm sorry, second Timothy three 13 reads, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. So we're kind of seeing that it's that downward spiral, right? Deceiving and being deceived. So they're not only trying to fool other people, but they themselves are also being fooled, kind of like caught in their own trap. And then uh, the last ones would be Timothy 3, chapter 3, and then verses 2 through 4. It says, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, mm. covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, that just means that they can't control themselves, fierce, we see a lot of that, despisers of those that are good, so it's the evil ones calling the good ones bad, we've right. seen that. And the bad good. Yeah. Traitors, it's an interesting word the Bible uses, 
heady, high-minded lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. And that's where it ends. And man, I mean, if that doesn't summer, I know you can all, every generation can make that argument for them, but give me a break in the 21st century right now where we are, that summarizes who we are as humankind. Right. I guess we'll go ahead and end with that. Um, I am your host, Anthony, and here with Aaron, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks a lot, man. See you guys.